How is it already 2022? Wow. Well, you know what that means. In just a few short weeks, my first book, Mom's Moving On, Real Life Advice for Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict, and Becoming Your Best Self will finally be out in stores, but it is available for pre-order now. So don't forget to grab a hold of that because for everybody who pre-orders, I'll be holding a special publishing day event just for you. Email info at momsmovingon.com for more information. This week on Moms Moving On. The big thing is control the controllables. Like you can't be the parent in two different houses. Like you can only be the parent in your house. So you have to focus your energy on that because your energy is being spent worrying about what happens there and stressing about what happens there and trying to overcompensate once your kids get back. But your kids just want to know that you can handle them. Yes. Life moves on, so why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another Moms Moving On. I can't believe we are like well underway here in 2022. So many things happening, including me getting in touch with amazing people from the Instagram world who are out there to help support and coach and guide single parents. And that person here with me today is Jay Skivens. He's at Jay Skivens on Instagram, and he's a parent coach with a really interesting story. But before we get to that, I'll tell you that he helps single parents lose guilt, shame, and from feeling overwhelmed, and he helps them create healthy boundaries. And he is a very important voice in this space that we're in. Jay, thank you so much for being here. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. I was super excited when you uh, when you and your team reached out. I was like, yes, I'll do anything you say. I will jump on. I will make it work. Uh, well, I appreciate that. But I know, um, I think it was my assistant who was like, have you seen this guy? And I'm like, you know what? I think I have. I don't know. I think I had shared something of yours. And we mm-hmm. really started, you know, there's a lot of voices now in the divorce space on Instagram, but not all of them are saying the right things, I feel, that are as supportive and educational as they are validating. And and you're like hitting all the right marks there. And you're a guy. Like <laughs> how many times people reach out and they're like, I follow you because, you know, I can relate to your content, but I know you're for moms and I'm looking for another dad in the space. And well, here you are, but you have the most interesting story. So I'm going to shut my mouth and let you tell your story. I, th- I find it fascinating. And I think it's also why you've you come across with this empathy and compassion. So open yeah. up that can uh, of worms. <laughs> so it's funny telling the story. It, you know, I have to start with my mom and my mom was a single mom raised me from, you know, from birth without the help of my dad. I actually just learned last summer that when I was born, my dad was uh, in prison. Um, and that was the, the first time that I ever met him. So, it, you know, you get older and some of these truths start to come out and right. that, that happened. Um, but he, he was just, he wasn't involved. So there was this, there was this space, this, the, you know, avoid from not having a dad. And I always understood kids. I always worked with kids, like from like in summer camps at the church I went to, um, cause I could tell what, like having, like what a male influence did for kids. Like just the presence of me being around, they connected with me. They, it was just, I was like a fun space for them to be. Um, and then 
you know, as I got older, I always wanted to be a dad and not having that model. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. And right. I was, I, I was in a friends with benefits situation uh, with somebody, a situation ship. And she uh, ended up pregnant. She told me she was pregnant and that kind of flipped my world upside down, right? Because it, that was not part of the plan. I think we all right. like we all we all have the plan. We all have what we think life is gonna be like. And when she told me that, I thought that I had ruined everything. I thought that like, okay, this is like the biggest mistake I ever made. And that, you know, I was in a little bit of a dark place until I talked to my mom about it. It's about two weeks to work up the courage to tell my mom. And after we talked, she was basically like, "Hey, it's gonna be okay." And that was like what I needed to hear. I was like, okay, it will. Okay. Yeah. I can do this. Okay. And uh, so we, you know, we did all the doctor's appointments. Um, and it, we never moved it into like, okay, let's make it work for the kid. Like I will be completely honest and upfront that like, it wasn't ever like, let's try. It was just kind of understood that we weren't together. We didn't plan on this. So let's just do the best we can from jump okay. street as parents. So yeah, I've been co-parenting. He'll be eight this year. So, you know, about eight years ago is when I found out she was pregnant. And then as things go, as, as, you know, toxic cycles are hard to break, we did not stop having sex. And then she got pregnant again. And that was, um, as much as the first one hit hard, the second time she got pregnant, it was like, all anger because it was like I think we were both Jay I just I just have to interject here I'm not sure if you know but when you have sex it can lead to pregnancy you know it's funny I I I must have missed that day you must have missed that yeah yeah. um it had never happened before so I was like I'm (laughs) I'm invincible I'm invincible it's you know uh but yeah so I we did it again and I was there to, you know, we, we were angry at each other. We were angry at ourselves, but we got through it. Um, we started raising that kid, uh, you know, two, two boys, two wonderful boys. And like, I'm very much, much loving being a dad. I'm very much loving this, this new adventure and this new life. Um, you know, we, her and I, we went through our ups and downs of getting along, but it was cool because we never put the kids in the middle of it. Like at no point did I ever feel like, like the kids were like pawns or, right. or, you know, being used in any sort of way. It was like, we right. at times probably hated each other, but we never let that cloud our judgment when it came to like, you know, time spent or, you know, activities or if, basically if one of us had something good to offer the boys, we allowed the other person to do it. And to me, that was amazing from both of us, even though we couldn't figure each other out. Right. <laughs> so great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> this is where it gets embarrassing for myself because then it happened again. It like legitimately, she got pregnant a third time. And this is why, you know, I, if you follow me on Instagram and you go back and watch the stories, I like, go into more detail. Cause there's, you know, there were more things involved in the story, but I don't like to make it seem like it was all her fault because it wasn't. Um, it, like I was very much a willing participant in what happened and in the toxic, uh, Basically, the toxic relationship. I was a, I was very much one of the two people, and I was an active, I had an active role in that. But uh, there was a, there was a lot to question. There was a lot to question um, with the third child. 
Yeah. Like, especially with the third child. And that then made me start questioning a lot more. So I, without her knowledge, got a DNA test of the the third child and found out that she wasn't mine, like biologically. And at that point, it confirmed some of the ideas that I had had about what had been happening. And to me, I wasn't going to be able to like not know about my sons. And at that point, they were like, uh, like two and a half and like one and a quarter years old, my boys. And so I was, I was in the middle of student teaching and I got them tested and found out that they weren't mine either. I am on the floor. <laughs> so, so I did what any, actually I did what nobody seems to think they would do. Uh, I talked to a lawyer and I was like, Hey, how do I get my name off of the birth certificate? I was there for all three births. I was there. Like I was, you know, I was, I didn't like what I had done, but I was committed to like, that was, you know, I, I did those things. I don't even want to call it a mistake. I made, I, I decided those decisions and I followed through with those actions. I put myself in the position to have three kids and that's my responsibility. So I was going to live that way. And um, yeah, so I found out, I talked to some lawyers. Most of them were shocked that I wanted to take legal parenthood of the boys, but I did. And ever since it's, you know, we've, we've parented co-parenting and it's, uh, I mean, there's a lot more. This, this could be its own. Podcast I got, I have nowhere else to be Jay. I'm all ears here. Uh, so to be completely honest, this is where, this is the one decision I made, well, the one, uh, one decision I made that people you know can have their opinions on is that i did not tell her that i knew the boys weren't mine for a year okay and uh, during that year what would happen is that any argument we had or any like disagreement it would be like hanging over my head like a black cloud of just like but (laughs) you can be mad at me but like don't you know what i'm doing but in my mind she did know so so then after a year i told her and uh, it didn't change anything. It didn't, you know, we still now. What she was knows. her, I just have to know, like, what was her excuse or reason there? Um, I don't, I don't want to say it just That's because fair. I don't, I don't know fair. how to say it without my bias coming through. Got it. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it I will say that it has helped me understand that you're not always going to get the apology or the explanation that you want. So, yes. so I just, it was a very good lesson and that I did not learn right then. Right. <laughs> I took time to learn that you're not going to get the apology or the explanation you want. Right. So that's how I would categorize that. And so now you are co-parenting these boys, mm-hmm. not, not the daughter. Cause at that point it was, yeah, so she was like two months old when I found out. Got it. So okay, like I, it's a human, and I don't. I, I know that you know some of you might say, but you took care of the boys. To me, this was just the decision that made the most sense to me. Like it, right. I felt about it. I no, I don't. I don't blame you, and I think you're a really big man to have stayed in the lives of the boys, even given the hurt that you must have felt after the DNA test. 
are are there is there bio dad in the picture or so no um not at all right now and the the interesting thing is that even just a few months ago i was having a conversation with somebody who like the boys the boys didn't know about any of this and you know the the magic of instagram and the 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 cool thing about making connections with people across the states and across the world is that like somebody heard me talking about it and she coaches people who have been adopted people who adopt children and like like all adopt like she's like an adoption or had been like an adoption coach and she was like everybody that i've ever talked to wanted to know like they wanted to know the truth they would have rather known sooner they would have like everybody wanted like according to her everybody wanted to know and i've always wanted to tell the boys i've wanted it to be like a normalized thing so that like to me especially before they turn like 10 because as you hit 10 and go into like uh, pre-adolescence and adolescence, like that's when your identity is like really formed. And like to tell after that would to me screw up their identity formation. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So I wanted to tell them, but there were things that I didn't know and I didn't feel it was fair to talk to them about it. If most of my answers were going to be, I don't know. And that's where, honestly, healing my co-parenting relationship over the past year, two years has been huge because I don't think that without the healing that we've done in the past two years and like the big part of that healing is me letting go of like trying to control and trying to parent her and trying to get her to be more like me. If I hadn't done that work, I don't think that she would have gotten to a point where she could talk about it, Mm -hmm. but did she did i don't she did her own work to get to a place where she was able to share with me um and then i told the boys and my younger son couldn't care less like <laughs> he's six and he's he like cool it. yeah you'll buy yeah. me toys right <laughs> yeah i didn't face him but my older son is much more uh like logically inquisitive so he wanted to know more so we talked and then he facetimed his mom and they talked and that was probably like two months ago that I told them and it came up like a day or two after I told them. And after that hasn't come up at all, but going back to your question about their bio dads, they're not involved. I think that their mom has contact with them. Um, But like, I don't, I don't know if there's a plan. I think that that will probably be like something the boys have to decide what they want. But then again, like I, I truly think that that's part of this, like why I'm who I am and doing what I do. I don't think that there could be a better person to bridge all of the like gaps, like my kids talking to their dads, the dads understanding the relationship with it, like with, you know, Elliot and Sawyer. And it's like, I don't, there's, there's no way that they, there could have been a better person to be in my position than me. And I don't say that lightly, but like, this is, I've, like, I've found a purpose that like nobody can question. I love that. Hey, everyone. I've now added courses to my website because you know what? There can never be enough information out there as you're navigating divorce and co-parenting. Am I right? So if you're just thinking of getting divorced and don't know where to start, I have the perfect course for you. It's called It's Time to Leave My Marriage. Now what? And it gives you all the steps from what questions to ask your lawyer to when to even reach out to a lawyer, how to break the news to your ex and your family, and most importantly, how to handle it with your kids. 
My other course is how to safeguard your relationship with your children when you're dealing with a high conflict ex-spouse. You know, if you have someone who's going to badmouth you in front of the kids. All of this is important stuff to know. So head on over to my website, momsmovingon.com and check out the courses tab today. Well, it's obvious that you are passionate about making co-parenting work and helping others do the same. You post some really, really, really great stuff. Something in particular that I wanted to touch on. Well, there's a lot, but recently something stuck out to me because obviously I'm a co-parent. I've struggled with this myself and I'm helping my clients deal with it as well. It's this thing that happens no matter how connected you are to your children and how wonderful your relationship is with them. They go to their other parent and they come back like different people. And it is, <laughs> yeah. it is so hard. And, you know, uh, a newbie co-parent will say, oh, it's because my ex parents terribly and doesn't know what they're doing and doesn't follow a schedule or a routine. And it'll be all of this blame on the other parent without looking at the fact that like co-parenting is freaking hard on these kids. They're going back and forth between two worlds all the time. And a veteran co-parent will tell you, this is normal. This is part of the game. And this is a little one adjusting to two totally different worlds. So how are you helping people deal with that? What is your advice there? Yeah. The, the big thing is control the controllables. Like you can't be the parent in two different houses. Like you can only be the parent in your house. So you have to focus mm-hmm. your energy on that because your energy is being spent worrying about what happens there and stressing about what happens there and trying to overcompensate once your kids get back, but your kids just want to know that you can handle them. Yes. And when they come back and they are a little bit off or they're a little bit tired or a little bit crouchy or they talk different or they say new words and you flip out, what you're showing them is I can't handle you like this. Mm-hmm. And that's like the scariest, worst thing for a kid. Yep. Because all they want is to see that mom or dad can handle their behavior. And yep. once they know that they feel safe. And yes, you might get that behavior more, but that like, if we talk about what wanting what's best for the kids and we talk about having our kids, you know, be safe emotionally and be emotionally able to express themselves, that's what they're doing. They're like, Hey, yes, I'm having like, it's not even, I'm having a hard time. It's just like, I'm seeing mom, are you still there? Dad, are you still there? Am I still safe? And that's to me what it is. That's absolutely what it is. And um, having been in the space where all I wanted to do was control what went mm-hmm. on in the other house and then having to come to terms with the fact that I couldn't, I look back at like all of the mistakes I probably made in the beginning. And I'm like, damn, this was never about me. This was about her. And this was never about my ex doing something or not doing something. And so now like Bella and I have created our own routine for when she comes back from a weekend with dad. And it's like a very, like I, she doesn't, know that it's a routine, but it's something that I know that she needs to be able to sort of reacclimate back into gen pop over here, for lack of a better term. But I'm wondering what you do with your boys. Yeah. So I yeah, I just made a post about this recently. And it's it's one of those things, it's a similar thing. It's not like, we're like all right, now it's time for this. Now it's time for that. But like my younger son, especially when he's a bit more tired, he's, he's a cuddler. Like, so for him and I, it's like, we might have like a five minute hug. We're like, I kind of pause everything else and it's five minutes. Like, I, mm-hmm. you know, it's so, it's so wild how often we can 
underestimate the power of five or 10 minutes and we push things off or we, we, we ignore, or we, we don't just take the time. So for him, a five minute hug, when he comes back, completely sets him right. Like it's, you know, it's okay. It's like that. It's literally what I just talked about with that being safe of Mm -hmm. dad's arms are safe. I feel good here. I love that. Like he, then he goes off and plays Legos by himself, you know, and it's, you know, and you know, for, for my older son, there's a bit more of like, I like to talk about what I do when they're gone because one, it lets them know that like, Hey, I still live a life without you. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm still, I'm still doing things. Um, and that then allows him to kind of talk about what he did at mom's or what might've happened without me, you know, peppering him with questions. Like, oh, did you eat enough or did you brush your teeth or, you know, were your, were your siblings nice to you? Did you get along? Did anybody yell at you? And it's like, if I ask those questions, then his answers become trying to find the right answers. Right. So true. Right. It's, and that's so, a hard lesson for co-parents to learn is like, you know, you, you don't deserve a tell-all of your kid's weekend. And if you need that so badly, don't go to your kids for it. It puts them in an automatic loyalty bind, even if the intentions are pure. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, exactly. And it allows him to share what he thinks is important, which also lets me know more about my kids. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a and then like, you know, other things I give them space. I think that sometimes we as adults forget that like our kids have ideas and plans and like, you know, how we'll rehearse a conversation in our head before we have it. Mm-hmm. Like they're thinking about what they want to do when they come back to my house. So when they get home, I don't need to tell them exactly what to do. They already have a plan. So I allow for that. I give it time. I try not to schedule anything right when we get home. So that's like the biggest thing that I tell people is like, you need to give them that time to like calm down. When we get back as adults from a trip, we need a day to sort of regroup. Our kids need that same thing. And and I used to go from like one thing to the next and Bella would be like a frazzled mess until I realized... And now that she's older and can vocalize it, she'll say the same thing. Mommy, when I get home, I can't wait to hug you. I just want to like go in my room and hug you. And then the day can start after that. Right, exactly. And then another big part is that we wrestle. Like for us, wrestling is like, if you ask my kids what they wanted to do on a Tuesday or on a Saturday or like right before bed, it's always wrestling. So like our thing is wrestling. So for other parents, Maybe they cook together or maybe they read books together. Or maybe they do something like do that thing that your kid loves. And if, they're, mm-hmm. if they always ask for it, do that when they come back, because it'll show them that you're listening, that you're paying attention, that you care. So in a lot of cases, in my experience, there are kids that come back and will just act out because mm-hmm. that's what they're doing. And they're having an emotionally more difficult time with the whole thing and the back and forth. And a lot of parents will take this personally. How do you work with the parents on getting them to see what the issue is and how not to take this sort of behavior personally? Okay. Well, I, I can give you a perfect example that happened last night. So my, like as I said, my kids are six and seven. And so, and, and we've been co-parenting since they were born. So like, this is not new to them. Right. Okay. So last, like yesterday, came back from their moms, and uh, the day went well. We we did our normal stuff, and bedtime for us is a pretty consistent routine. You know, brush teeth. We we do uh, kid short stories, which is like uh, on Spotify. It's a podcast that tells like ten minute stories. It's amazing. We love it. And 
after that, it's like kisses and hugs and lights out. And I, that's it. Right. And <laughs> last night, um, they were arguing because they, they have the same room, but they have two different beds. So like one of them was like sitting on the edge of his bed, just looking at the other one. And <laughs> I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the younger one was doing that to the older one. And the older one was like, dad, come in there, tell him that he needs to stop. And like, you know, all of these things. And then they, they would, they would come out and I was going to take a shower. So they're like in the bathroom while I'm getting ready for my shower. And then they are, they are, you know, still kind of going about trying to just, just see what I'm going to do. And at, at that stage in the past, I have gotten upset. Like you guys should be in bed. You guys should be doing this. This is like, you guys, you guys shouldn't be acting like this, right? You guys don't usually act like this. It's just because you guys came back from your moms, right? All of those things are things that have come out of my mouth before. Mm-hmm. But again, and I, you know, I, I don't know exactly what they're thinking, but if they, if they've done that at mom's and they get yelled at, or they get into trouble to me, what they're doing at my house is just, you know, okay, how's dad going to react? Like, can we get a reaction out of him? Can And then it's like, it's not, I hate the word manipulation when it comes to kids, I will not use it. But like to them, it's like a game, mm-hmm. like, can, like, can, like, can we do this? until dad reacts like the game Mm -hmm. is get dad to react and i just went about my night like i just acted like they weren't there i just acted like they they weren't doing anything and then eventually they just go back to their rooms right right and yeah i don't have to get mad i don't waste any energy on it they know that they're supposed where they're supposed to be and there has been times that they've been out for a while but then the cool thing is is that the next morning if they're tired that gives us a chance to talk about why they're tired. And then that puts the ball in their court as far as like learning goes and the lesson, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. why, like you're tired. What, what, what? Why, why could that be? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so be, yeah, go ahead. So you're working with a lot of parents now. What are you finding are the top mistakes new, new co-parents make? Uh, number one is definitely trying to control what happens at the other person's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, control it, worrying about it, stressing about it. That's definitely number one. But a surprising number two is kind of turning your kid into your emotional avatar. Ugh, and worst. What I mean by that is the idea that like, if you're still broken up about the, the divorce, if you're still healing, if you're still doing this, what you'll be, what I, what I hear is like, Oh, well, my kid is, they're just, they, they are, I don't want them to see this emotion. I don't want them to get in the middle. I don't want them to be scared. Or, you know, I just had a mom talk to me about like, we're going to transition into 50, 50. And I don't want my kids to feel like I've disappeared or abandoned them. And it's like, okay, but like, what's the only way that that will ever be true is if you actually abandon them. Right. So it's, you can't start placing your fears your misgivings, your unhealed parts into your kids and try to fix them through your kids. You're never going to heal yourself by trying to fix your kids or trying to heal your kids. Your kids are actually probably doing a fantastic job of handling their own stuff. What they need is to be able to look at you, mom, or look at you, dad, and be like, hey, mom's got this. Dad's handling this. So one, I don't have to do any extra work. And two, if they can handle it, 
but that gives me like confidence that I can handle it too. You know, it's so true. And I think for all parents, divorced or not, we have kids and all of our greatest fears and un- unhealed shit comes out. And I've, I personally had so much unhealed and so much to work on when I got married and then got divorced. And I work on it, man, every week in therapy so that I don't put all my fears onto Bella. And I, that's a very real thing. Like, I'm so happy you bring that up. Yeah. And to me, there's a quick way to, to talk about it and to, to really help yourself get through that. It's this idea of um, emotionally dumping or fear journaling. And what you can do is just spend like 10 minutes of your day and just talk, like write down, or if you're a voice note person, talk out loud about like, I'm scared about this. I'm you know worried that this is going to happen. I'm frustrated by my co-parent doing this. Because what happens is that most of our thoughts, if we don't get rid of them, they become subconscious, mm-hmm. right? And then your imagination is like gasoline on a fire. And that fire is your, your negative emotions. Mm-hmm. So all of this is burning up and it's just consuming your brain. And everything that you talk about, everything, every decision you make, every interaction you have with your kids or with your co-parents is going to be like the result of those burning negative emotions. The only way to really help yourself is to get them out. So therapy is huge, but the everyday practice of like writing them down, it takes away the power that they have over you. Absolutely. It's so important. And and realizing that like our kids aren't us and their journey is going to be so different. And all we can do is, is support them the best that we can without emotionally dumping onto them. Journaling is huge. Okay. And give us one more. What's another thing you see that um, co-parents are initially plagued with in the beginning of their journey? They don't complete the breakup. And that to me, since, you know, I will be the first to admit that since my relationship with my co-parent wasn't a marriage, it wasn't a committed relationship that I, I didn't have to do this part. But what I see others really struggling with is that like, you know, the kids need to see us being along. The kids need to see us being amicable. And it's like, well, you wouldn't worry about that with anybody, like any other ex. And the truth of the matter is before you can start working on yourself, before you can start like really pushing yourself forward into this new world that you're living in is that you have to complete the old world. You have to understand that like your marriage, your relationship is over. And you have to treat it like a breakup. You have to complete that breakup. And if not, then like you're, you're worried that if you don't text them every day, or if you don't do this every day, or if you, if you upset them, that somehow that's wrecking the balance. But like in any other breakup, you start focusing on yourself. You, you do the things that you needed to do during the relationship that you weren't able to do. So it's that idea of we're no longer together. I no longer have to worry about your thoughts and your emotions. And those are no longer any of my responsibilities. So like, I'm going to do what's best for me. And I'm figuring myself out. You get to carry your shit now. Like that's, I'm giving it all back to you. It's like, it's like leaving their shit on the lawn, but it's all the emotional baggage. It's a hypothetical. Yeah. Throwing the, the golf clubs out the window, like Carmela Soprano. Yes, I know. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, if you don't complete the breakup, then you're in this like gray area of just stress. It's just, there's no good way. There's no, there's no happy ending there. And I know that that is by far and large, the 
hardest thing for most people is cutting those emotional ties, especially the women, because of the role we take in our marriages as being a nurturer, a caretaker, wanting to keep the peace. We all make those mistakes when we start co-parenting and that's where boundaries come into play. But that could be a whole nother conversation for another day. I love, I, I just love the passion that you have for this space that you're in now, Jay. I think it's great. You used to be a teacher, right? Yeah. So I was a sixth grade uh, reading and social studies teacher for honestly only two years. <laughs> I went back to school for two and a half years. And I taught for two years, but it, you know, it, it's funny because life has always, uh, I take an interesting route anywhere I go and teaching was one of those things that I didn't expect. I, I, I'm very naive. I, I can be very naive and I didn't expect there to be like politics and like game playing and, and education. And it's just like any other business or, or corporation that you kind of have to try to play the game. Yeah. And I, I did. Fun fact. I was a teacher too for more than two years, but um, in the most like politically driven I was department shocked. of education in, in the world in New York city. So yeah, I get okay. it. I get where you're coming yeah. from. Yeah. yeah. So, it, so the interesting thing, like one of the biggest benefits or blessings that came out of that is that so i i was let go i was told that you know i they they weren't going to renew my contract and they told me in february and that's a gamble <laughs> because school doesn't get out until like the end of may right yeah so but it was cool because i i had been trying to fit into their box i've been trying to fit into like what you know you get appraised as a teacher so i was trying to fit into like the the way that you get graded as a teacher and what those four months did for me was like i got to teach without fear because like there was nothing they could do to me at that point right like, you were already out the door <laughs> I was, yeah so what that did was it really allowed me to like to do the things that i wish i would have done from the start and it completely like i know what teaching and i know what education can be so it gives me really good insight when I hear teachers talking or I hear parents talking about education or I hear kids talking about school. And it's like, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but it doesn't have to be that way. So it, yeah. it was, the thing was a blessing and I got out right in time because there's no way I would have made it through COVID teaching or remote teaching at all. Right. Would never, would never yeah. lasted. Yeah, I, I can't imagine how hard that was for and continues to be for everybody. Well, Jay, you have such an amazing story and I'm so glad you shared it with us. And I'm so glad you're doing the work that you do. It's obvious that you are making an impact and are passionate about it. And the biggest takeaway I'm getting from today is just how lucky your boys are and how lucky your ex is for having you a part of their lives. Where can everybody get in touch with you if they want to work with you or learn more about you or follow your amazing Instagram? Uh, honestly, everything I do is off of Instagram. I, you know, I will take that back. So right now, Instagram is great. Um, that's my number one method to get my message out. And that's just, like you said, at Jace Gibbons. But I've also recently started a Single Parenting on Purpose Facebook group. Um, and that's all about building community and like basically like seeing other single parents. And I don't know about you, but I think I've been part of single parent groups that can tend to end up negative and like and toxic. Yes, absolutely. So my, my vision for this is to kind of give us a voice at the table that like we haven't had before, like the we, kind of to stop feeling like this is second place that somehow we're like, there's no way to win, you know? So mm -hmm. I think that that the, 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 the purpose of the group single parenting on purpose is to really validate uh, single parenting and co-parenting. 
I love that. Guys, you got to check him out. He's at Jay Skibbins and you'll you'll get all the rest of the information from there. Jay, thank you so much for being here today. And to everybody else, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Imagine a place to get all of the resources you need and deserve while going through the divorce process, from legal and mediation tips to expert co-parenting advice and heartbreak healing words of wisdom. Imagine a place that offered weekly words of wisdom and inspiration curated just for you by me to help motivate you and make you feel seen throughout the toughest days of your divorce journey. Imagine if that place also provided you with the opportunity to connect with other moms who are going through the exact same thing as you. That place exists and it's called the Moms Moving On Membership Community. With two membership options, you are guaranteed to find your village and thrive in this next phase of your life. Visit my website, momsmovingon.com and click on become a member to join our community now. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.